0: Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. Just to be clear up front today, we're going to be talking about craniectomy for stroke, not craniectomy for traumatic brain injury. I will get to TBI, but they're really quite different topics in terms of craniectomies. So this is not something that is done commonly, but if you do work in a neurocenter, you will see it happen. And we're talking about malignant MCA syndrome here. So this is somewhat poorly defined, but should reflect a large area of ischemic tissue in the MCA distribution. The diagnosis of stroke here is not going to be subtle, and so you can expect at presentation a patient who has a dense hemiplegia and almost um, definitely some early signs of stroke on CT that will rapidly develop. These people do not have malignant MCA syndrome at presentation, so this is really um, not really an ED diagnosis, but large areas of ischemic tissue over time tends to do what it does best, which is swell. Consciousness will then become impaired when it swells, and remember that impaired consciousness is unusual in most strokes. The swelling is where the real badness all comes in, and as Monroe and Kelly have taught us so well, the skull is a fairly fixed box, and once you've squeezed out the venous blood and the CSF, then the pressure rises very fast, and bits of brain try to squeeze through orifices amongst the dura that they were never designed to squeeze through. Death follows rapidly, as you can imagine. So, you can prevent this brain shifting herniating phenomenon by taking the lid off and allowing the MCA territory of the brain parenchyma to expand out of the skull like bread dough rising out of a tin during a nice long rest. There is a surprisingly good evidence base for this intervention with three trials all published within a few years of each other in what seemed to be a, a kind of a slow moving replay of any of the football European Championships of recent years. So, brief summaries to follow. Firstly, the DESTINY trial 2007. This was a German multi-centre RCT including 30 patients and there was a 90% versus a 50% survival favouring decompression. This was followed by a decimal trial in 2007. This was the French um, doing a multi-centre RCT, including 38 patients. They looked at the MRS, the Modified Rankin Score, as a primary outcome, and found that those with decompression had much better neurological outcomes than those who didn't. But this was almost all due to the fact that those who didn't get decompressed died in quite spectacular numbers. As an example, this trial found a 50% absolute risk reduction in mortality, which, if you haven't been paying attention, is quite substantial. Finally we have the Hamlet trial and this was a Dutch multicenter RCT including 64 patients. The difference here was that they allowed um, up to 4 days to have their surgery and um, with prior trials only allowing up to 2 days or 48 hours and they found that it still reduced mortality again by about 50% absolute risk reduction but when done late it didn't seem to reduce long term morbidity. Okay, so from all these three, who should we do this in? This is by no means a straightforward question, but some useful numbers to take home would be people who are less than 60 years old within 48 hours of the onset of their MCA stroke. Other things to consider include lives are clearly saved by this, but almost everyone has a moderate severe disability following it. The craniectomy, when you're doing it, must be at least as big as the margins of the stroke itself. Otherwise, you don't get the decompressive effect that you need. References for this podcast would be the Life in the Fastlane article, on the topic is excellent. Um, this was mentioned before in the Tasty Morsels of Emergency Medicine on this website, number 89. And then I've put links to the Destiny, Decimal and Hamlet trials in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening.